Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1012, it's a Monday, 25th of September, 2023. Bruce Siski Show, 610. 103.9 KDAL. Thanks to all who download listening later via the podcast page at KDAL610.com. We are busy the next couple of weeks. We got a lot to get to. This is the final non-game week for Bulldog Hockey in 2022 here until the holiday break in December. So we're going to get cranked up next weekend with both the men and the women. We'll start those previews here this week with the men. And Scott Sandlin is going to join us tomorrow. We are, uh, yeah, we're jam-packed here as I'm looking at the calendar. The uh, next couple of weeks, lots of hockey previews and a lot of football talk as well. We'll get to that with Jeff Papis here as he'll be uh, joining us here shortly, hopefully. And then uh, later on this hour, excited to talk to Jolyn Hansen, who will be inducted into the UMD Athletic Hall of Fame on Friday. A ceremony happening at Weber Music Hall following the volleyball match at 5 o'clock at Romano Gym as UMD inducts a class of 10. We're kind of, and I've said this before, full disclosure, I'm on the Hall of Fame committee. We're playing catch-up really right now. And the reason for that is there has not been a Hall of Fame induction since 2019 with COVID and everything else has been going on. So uh, Forrest Carr has brought it back, the athletic director, and we've got our first uh, big class here. We have a couple of these, I think, coming up, but a big class going in this weekend. On Friday night, looking forward to that ceremony on campus. And uh, Jolyn Hansel will join us. We have Jack Connolly, uh, men's hockey, Hobie Baker winner in 2012. Uh, Jack joined the radio show, oh boy, late June, I think it was, before he had to head back to Europe to uh, rejoin his professional team for uh, preseason training over there. They start their seasons much earlier in Europe than we do here in the States. So uh, that's on the podcast page. I'm sorry, off the top of my head, I don't know what the date was, but I'm pretty sure it was in late June. You can find that at kdal610.com to scroll back through the podcast page and you'll see all the archive shows are there. You can listen uh, at your leisure. So that's coming up at about 10.35 this morning. In lieu of Jeff here, as we await to hear from him, certainly a lot happened over the weekend. It is that time of year. You can't swing a dead cat without finding something of interest that happened somewhere out there. Of course, yesterday. And I, Matthew Collar is going to be on the show this week or next. He's got his book coming out. I'm very excited to talk to him about that. I want to pick his brain about what happened yesterday at U.S. Bank Stadium and get his perspective. He's around this team all the time. It's really easy to point fingers when you're on the outside like we are. But his perspective is one that that's it's informed because it's somebody who's around this team is his full-time job, basically. And and I can appreciate the perspective that he has from that spot. And he's always very honest and, and forthright with his opinion. So uh, we'll see what he thinks. But watching it yesterday, and there, there's two things that come to mind. First off, it is evident that the Vikings' defense is a major problem. Major problem. 
and that might not be selling it high enough. This is this is going to continue to be an issue. And there's a couple things that, that I want to point out there. Uh, number one, Quasi Adolfo Mensa is in his second season as the Vikings general manager. Made a lot of headlines in that first draft last year because he chose to trade down from a top 15 position in round one to try to collect some extra picks. Ended up taking Lewis Seen, a safety out of Georgia, late in the first round. And that, it, whatever, you, you can't really scream too much about one pick in the draft because, quite frankly, in, in the case of that pick, you know, Lewis Seen looked like he had a chance to be a really good player. He was a player that a lot of a lot of people who follow the draft thought would be taken in the first round. There was a bit of a run on Georgia defensive players in that round one last year. Lewis Seen, I, I know he had the injury last year. He is in a second season in the NFL. Lewis Seen played zero defensive snaps for the Vikings yesterday. He's healthy. He played in the game. He played zero defensive snaps. In the second round, the Vikings, their first pick in the second round was Andrew uh, Andrew Booth Jr., another defensive back out of Clemson. And not, again, good prospect, but the problem is he had injuries last year and yesterday played zero defensive snaps. He's healthy. So at some point, and you don't want to judge the GM based solely on the first two picks he made. And by the way, the third pick he made is Ed Ingram, who started every game. Yeah, he's terrible. The offensive guard, he's awful. The Vikings, as a result of their defensive personnel deficiencies, had to blitz Justin Herbert on 82% of his dropbacks yesterday. That is the second highest percentage in any NFL game since ESPN began tracking in 2006. Against the blitz... Justin Herbert was 32 of 38 for 301 yards and three touchdowns. So we can yell at Kirk Cousins all we want, and we probably should because that wasn't handled very well at the end of the game. Yell at Kevin O'Connell all you want because that wasn't handled very well at the end of the game. These personnel issues on defense are out of Kirk Cousins' control, and they're out of Kevin O'Connell's control at this point. This is solely at the feet of the front office, and I don't know how you fix it. Yeah, Jeff with us now. Talks some Bulldog football. 33-zip over Southwest Minnesota State Saturday in Marshall. Jeff, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So here's the first thing. How, yeah. su- how surprised are you that that game got uh, through start to finish, no interruptions? Uh, rather shocked. But watching the radar, <laughs> there's big blobs coming towards Marshall, and then it splits in half and goes north and south. It, it, was it was incredible. Things. It, was like yes. La- it was like Lake Superior just relocated outside of Marshall for the day. Exactly. Just push everything away. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. we got it in. And that, but that's a good thing, right? Yes, I think so. I mean, gosh, the defense might have forced six, seven, eight turnovers if the ball if the ball had been wet. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's a good was, point. Settle for settle for four with a dry ball. So, um, we've got yeah. Kurt. We got Kurt. Sorry, we got Kurt with us on Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to yeah. ask him this, but I want to see. Did you ask him at all about the you know the, the weather, the potential issues of the weather? Not just like you said, the wet football, that wet field, wet football. That's one thing, but the potential for stops and starts. That, that you know, for preparing for that's almost impossible. I did, but the, the concern that he had uh, at the time was for Don. It was uh, Donnie Austin, the running back for uh, Southwest. Big, strong, six foot, two hundred twenty pounds. You know, just kind of a kind of a battering ram type runner, and trying to tackle a guy like that on a wet field 
is uh, is problematic. But uh, at the same time, Trey Dill challenged the team in the meeting, uh, the defensive team meeting on Friday night, to play through contact, not just to it. And they held him to 29 yards rushing. So you know, I think they'd have done that regardless of what the weather was like. The defense was fired up and played brilliantly. Yeah, they they just watching as much as I watched on Saturday. It, it, it felt like. You know the offense. I didn't think was sharp really at any point, but certainly early in the game they had the the flea flicker, which I got to think Chase Volger took some inter- inspiration from Matt Lafleur because the Packers started their game last Sunday with a flea flicker, and then Chase Volger comes out next game starts with a flea flicker, but um, that it worked. But they didn't get anything beyond that. They had to settle for a field goal. Then they get the the surprise onside. They pop for an onside kick. Have to settle for a field goal. They get a fumble, and they can't turn that into points. It felt like a kind of a, a wheel spinning start for the offense, Jeff. But that defense, man, were they so good from the start? Defense was lights out. Uh, offense, you know, it, it took a while for them to, to kind of find their footing a little bit, which is I think Kyle's going to have games like he had. It was a little bit on the windy side, not making excuses, but uh, you know, it was a tough day to throw the football. And uh, they just, I thought fundamentally, they just played extremely well. And uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Brad Dotty coming back was a huge emotional lift for them. And uh, and they just uh, just stifled Southwest at every turn. Yeah, and that's that's we're talking Bulldog football. Jeff Papis joining us. Thirty three nothing was the final on Saturday in Marshall. You know, Kyle Wall Jasper. We we've talked we talked a lot about him last year and and watching him develop. And you know, it, 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 I made the joke during the Northern Michigan game that it, he had a couple throws in that game that it was kind of like that scene in Happy Gilmore where they get to the Tour Championship and he makes that first putt, turns to Shooter McGavin, says, "Happy learned how to putt." Uh oh. I feel that yep. way. Like, like it's not like you didn't know how to throw the football before, but boy, it seems so much more refined so far this year. He does. The only thing that I think is, and this takes a lot of time for a, a young quarterback, is the deep ball. Uh, and they are trying to stretch defenses out. Understandably, when you have a quarterback that's a battering ram with, you know, with the ball in his hands, you know they, they do throw downfield, and uh, and those are the things that I think where there's a little bit of. Uh, uh, Slack still to be taken up, but his you know, short to middle game, he can make all the throws, and uh, and you can see, you know, he, he sets up with uh, Deshaun Ames or Sam Pitts or someone that he's comfortable throwing the ball to, and and it's it looks really good, but it's just still a little bit more work to do for the young man, and he's as Keith Jackson would say, he was only a sophomore, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's got a ways to go yet. Uh, and, and not only that, but you you see the trust with with, with Sam Pitts, Deshaun Ames when when yep. he you know. He throws some tight window footballs to those two. That that that's the sign. Of, first off, he trusts his arm to get the ball where it needs to go. But secondly, he trusts these guys to make plays, and they're making plays. They do, and they trust him. And that's the thing. It's his team, and he is very, uh, well, he's very quiet, as you know. But uh, but they look at him in the huddle and just like, okay, where are we going? And then he tells them, and then they do it. And it's uh, uh, it's his team, and the receivers trust him implicitly. And just watching him develop is going to be fun over the next couple of seasons. And obviously, the more that he can develop in the passing game, the more that they can make the deep ball a threat. I mean, this is a run-first offense. I don't think that's ever really going to change. You know, Kurt and I talked about it in August. You get to a certain point around here, we all know what happens in October and November in these parts, and you have to be able – to execute on the ground game, and sometimes you got to do it against some some big some big time fronts. You've seen this before as well, and they've done it over the years against those big time fronts. But the more that you can present the threat in the passing game, the more pressure it takes off your run game. 
Correct, and you've got a, uh, a veteran offensive line, a very talented, deep, and experienced offensive line. It's the ideal line, really, to be uh, for this kind of an offense, right? Uh, there's there's not a, a weak link in the bunch, uh, even into the even into the twos. There's some outstanding players there, and uh, they're very well uh, stocked up, I guess you could say, on the offensive line. They can move the ball on the ground, but they do need that deep game to balance, as you mentioned. The only thing that I've noticed about about Kyle at this point is he does tend to put air under the ball when he's throwing it long. So you got a guy like Deshaun Ames who's great at adjusting at the ball in the air and needing to do that to make a catch. You know, both the deep ball to Deshaun and the flea flicker to uh, Jimmy DeRocher in the first play of the game were deep balls that were underthrown. And when Kyle works that out, you know, they are they're gonna be scary offensively. And and I don't think that's that far away myself. And sometimes, you know, it's not the worst thing to underthrow that deep ball because if you get those defenders that don't like to look back for the football, that might be a free fifteen yards if you need it. It was, and it was. Yeah. As you mentioned, on the other end of the field, Deshaun got a pass interference penalty under exactly the same uh, situation when, when they were heading uh, away from us in the infamous Southwest broadcast booth. <laughs> 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 and he earned a 15-yard penalty. You're exactly right. Yes, sometimes it is the right, you know, a back shoulder throw can, can gain you 15 yards. Hey, is that the only broadcast spot in the Northern Sun where you're that far away from the middle of the field? Yes. Yes, because it, 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 it looked like it almost looked like you were in the NFL stadium press box. The way that those are designed now. Oh my gosh, it was it was not fun. I mean, I, I talked with well, Kelly Lake was the SID at, uh, at Southwest. I talked to him for a, a long time. He says, you know, he says they asked my opinion when they built the stadium, and then they completely ignored me. <laughs> so, <laughs> all the suites are on the fifty yard line yep. in the thirties on the on the second tier, and the press box is in the corner. And you're like, you're kidding me? I can't. You know, yeah, well, anyhow. It, it, there's a couple places we go in the NCHC where you're, like, at one end of the rink, basically. I'm like, what What are we doing here? Yeah, it's well, just... Raymar Arena is like that, too, if you've ever been there for a high school. Uh, yep, that, yep, yeah, exactly. The is in the corner of Mars Lakeview is like that. It is. Yeah, I've so, been in that. I've been in that little booth many times over the years. So, so yeah. I, yes. So, I real quick, uh, Winona this weekend. Well, I know they lost their opener non-conference, but uh, they seem to be rolling quite a bit right now. They're doing okay. Uh, it's going to be a, it's the start of a big stretch. Uh, is after this, and it's on the road to Wayne, and uh, then of course Bemidji and Mankato play each other next week at uh, at the Chet. So it's it's the top spot's going to be up for grabs. Winona is always tough, uh, and then especially at home. But this time we get them to come to us, and that uh, hopefully will help matters. But. Uh, Looking forward to a good game. I'm looking forward to seeing if the defense can do this twice in a row. And hopefully you have better weather this weekend than we had last weekend because it is homecoming on campus. It always attracts a big crowd if the weather's nice. 1130 for the coverage. Kickoff is noon. Bulldogs v. Winona. Jeff's got the call here on KDAL. Thank you, sir. We'll talk next Monday. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Jeff Papis, voice of Bulldog football here on KDAL. 1130. We'll hit the air on Saturday as the Bulldogs and Warriors battle homecoming at Miloski Stadium. Of course, tickets can be had at umdbulldogs.com. Or join us on the radio or stream it on the app, whatever you got to do on Saturday. 1027, Joel and Hansen, incoming UMD Athletic Hall of Famer after the news break on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota football team let a 21-point fourth quarter lead slip away and lost at Northwestern on Saturday night in overtime, 37-34. Head coach P.J. Fleck comments on the setback when we come back. At Western National, nice is more than just a word. It's a movement. 
nice is there when you call. Nice is sincere. At Western National, nice is the foundation of how we serve every customer, whether it's for your home, auto, or business. And don't we all deserve a little more nice in our lives? Ask your independent agent today for Western National Insurance and experience the power of nice. Golden Gopher head coach P.J. Fleck joined Justin Gard after Saturday's difficult loss in Evanston. I just completely broke down. Didn't make any plays. Didn't make plays on offense. Didn't play make plays on defense. Uh, make the call to pin him down there, which uh, fourth and one, probably go for it. Fourth and four, and we lose three yards. Very different. Pin him down there. Um, we're in the end zone when we touch the ball. I mean, Q's down there. You know, Q's really reliable with that type of stuff, so that's why we trusted him. And um, It's unfortunate. I mean, this was a, it's a hard one to swallow. But this is the Big Ten. I mean, I don't want to tell you. This is the Big Ten. This was, and uh, fourth quarter was, was really tough. And what were they doing offensively? What did they get going in that fourth? quarter that made it tough for you? Uh, we just weren't getting guys on the ground. We'd have a critical tackle and then there'd be a face mask or just untimely penalties. Third down, we couldn't get off the field. Eyes in the wrong spot. I mean, defensively, I mean, that's not what we do. I mean, that's, you're, 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 you're hey, calling a game 100%, 31-10, relying on what we know we do defensively. And and unfortunately, that, that, that didn't work tonight. That's Golden Gopher head coach P.J. Flack with Justin Gard. The Gophers will host Louisiana this Saturday for homecoming. The kickoff is 11 o'clock. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. KDAL Weather Update. I'm meteorologist Tony Nargi with Northern News Now. Today, unsettled weather continues with strong winds out of the east at 15 to 25 miles per hour and showers throughout the day with a 70% chance of rain. Clearing overnight tonight and tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high of 66 degrees and a wind out of the east at 10 to 20 miles per hour, so breezy once again. And Wednesday will be cloudy with a 20% chance of showers and a high of 66 degrees. With Northern News Now, I'm Tony Nigel with 610 FM 103.9 KDAL. Your Twin Ports home for Twins baseball. In the corner! KDAL. And the Twins are off today and back in action tomorrow at home against the Oakland A's. Our coverage begins at 6 here on KDAL. We'll set you up for a busy week on the radio show coming up in a little bit. Also coming up in a little bit, the UMD Athletic Hall of Fame is set to induct a class of 2023 that includes 10 outstanding individuals. One of those is ex-volleyball standout JoLynn Hansen. She is up next with us on the radio show after a CBS News update as we approach 1034, 610, and 103.9 KDAL CBS News now. Ten thirty-nine tomorrow. Men's hockey head coach Scott Sandlin. Bulldogs open next weekend. Oh my goodness! At home against Michigan Tech, U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game, Saturday, October seventh at seven o'clock from Amsoil here on KDAL. Looking forward to that coverage at six thirty. Also tomorrow, football head coach Kurt Weezy will look back at the win over Southwest and preview Winona State this weekend for homecoming at Miloski Stadium and. Later on this week, uh, volleyball head coach Jim Booz on Wednesday. Bulldog volleyball team's also home this weekend for homecoming on the UMD campus. Augustana Friday, Wayne State on Saturday. Uh, later on this week, no show Thursday. A couple more NCHC previews as well. Denver coach David Carl. Colorado College headman Chris Mayot. Uh, both will have those. And uh, Miami coach Chris Bergeron uh, coming up here as well. Uh, speaking of volleyball, joining us now, a former standout volleyball player at UMD to be inducted into the UMD Athletic Hall of Fame this weekend. Jolene Hansen, good morning. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on this honor. I want to go all the way back. What is your first memory? <laughs> what, what is your first memory, Jolene, in the sport of volleyball, the first time you remember playing a game? Oh, gosh. Woefully unprepared. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, freshman season, um, Patty Rolfe, that was her first year coaching at UMD. And for those that don't remember, Patty was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2014. She's one of our top international volleyball refs in the world. She's refing Olympic Games, and she's on the Big Ten Network on a regular basis. So um, very unprepared for Patty and the intensity and, uh, you know, how she was turning the program around. Um, So I think I had a lot to learn. That was my first impression. (laughs) Uh, Patty, <laughs> Patty Rolf. So I, I think I met her once. Uh, I yep. didn't really start closely covering UMD until Jim took over in 2002. But I. So here's right. my here's my Patty Rolf story for you. Since you mentioned her, she's an accomplished referee. She's done so much in that field. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, Wisconsin was playing Nebraska for the national championship. An amazing yep. match, a great match, yep. and we were we were glued at home watching this on TV. And they went to a replay, and they mentioned Patty Rolf's name. Have you ever seen the GIF? Uh, and I don't even know what movie is from. Leonardo DiCaprio sits up in his chair and points at the TV. That was me. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. Patty Rolf. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So we we've been fortunate. Um, my daughter had the opportunity to play in the Big Ten, and so for the last many years. Uh, We've been able to, you know, see Patty around the courts for for many years, and she's been a we've been a big fan of hers, and she's been a, a supporter of um, my daughter's career as well, and that's been really fun. So we we've maintained um, a relationship and a friendship, and which has been awesome. One thousand six hundred and ninety six kills at UMD. That that stood as the record in the program for I think thirteen years before Callie's I was Wetler broke it in two thousand and four. And a couple of uh, right. folks have passed since then. But just tell me about the experience uh, growing up, growing up at UMD, and growing as a player, and growing in the sport of volleyball for for a coach like Patty Rolf. Yeah, I you know she uh, was also middle as a player, so she uh, really advocated for a very middle centric offense. Um, I had great teammates around me, right? Like this never happens on your own, and. The setter, um, my setter at the time, Julie Bubar, uh, Augustine now, uh, fantastic. Um, so we spent a lot of time, you know, really kind of fine-tuning uh, running the middle. And I think that was one of the reasons. I also wanted to say, too, you know, the rules of the game were a little bit different back then, right? I was on the court six rotations. Today, middles don't play uh, six rotations. So, I mean, I had probably a lot more touches on the ball um, just because I was in, you know, a lot more time on the court. In fairness, you also had a lot more matches, which I, I guess until I was researching, yeah. I did not realize. And now they might, I think they play around 30 matches for, for over the course of a regular season. You throw in some playoffs as well. You guys play right. 50 right. matches, 45, 50 <laughs> matches a year. Like, I can't imagine that yeah. kind of a schedule. Yeah, you know, I think what the difference was, I, I have to recall back, but, you know, like today a match, right? It's, it's three of five sets. Right. Yeah. And, you know, back then, uh, the, the scoring and how it worked is you had to serve the ball in order to get a point. Right. So a lot of our matches were like two out of three. They still took as long, in some cases, even longer 
because of the serving requirement of it. Rule changes over the years have really made it a lot more fun, energetic, energetic, fast play, you know, fast paced. It's a very explosive sport, but in terms of getting the fans there, um, the sport has just exploded in terms of popularity. I think you probably just saw uh, this preseason, you know, Nebraska set the world record for, you know, over 92,000 people uh, at a women's sporting event, which was just, just so, so excited to see that and be part of that. So, we're talking to Julian Hansen. She'll be inducted into the UM the Athletic Hall of Fame coming up on Friday on campus, part of the class of 10 here in, in 2023. And that these teams that you play it on, these were no slouches. You, you guys made the NCAAs in 1991, four NSIC championships in your time at UMD. You know, tell me about uh, competing in the NSIC and then getting a chance finally in 1991 to compete in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, uh, it was such such a great group of uh, people that I was playing with. Um, everybody was committed to the common purpose, which was to to make it to that NCAA um, championship round. Our nemesis was probably back then, uh, which has changed now because they went Division One. I, I think a, a few years after uh, I was done playing, but NDSU, we always had to meet them uh, in in playoffs and. Uh, you know, they, they had, like, Olympic players come out of that program, right? So it was fun. We we had them on the ropes, and I think if we would have finished that match healthy, we would have taken it from them. But um, that was exciting, and we still, you know, the team and I still reminisce about that match, and um, it, was, it was just a great experience. And, you know, it, such a four short years, um, but such an impactful, you know, stepping stone to life, right? I, so I, very grateful for all the opportunity. I can't help but notice that as I'm looking at the all-time lists for UMD, you're fourth in kills at 1696, and one of your teammates, Cheryl Carlson, is fifth at 1660. Were you guys aware of that as you were playing out the 1991 season? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I would say this too. Like, Cheryl, she's a, she's a Duluth native. Um, if she had had four years with the program, this would be her. She is just just by far the best athlete that I've ever played with. Um, so so incredibly physical, and um, yeah, she she actually went on to play basketball, got a full full scholarship to go play basketball, and then I think she played at UMD and the volleyball program for three years. If she would have made it four, this would be her name on the list for sure. A hundred and twenty-seven blocks in your career. That's still. I mean, and there have been. No offense to you. There have been some great players that have come through this program in the time since you played at UMD. And that not only does that still yeah. stand as the record, Jolene, that stands as the record by quite a bit. Does that surprise you that, that 127 blocks is yeah. still a standard? It does. It really does. Uh, it surprises me, right? Like, you know, we we did play maybe maybe the, the, the rules of the game and maybe how many matches we played had something to do with that. I don't know. I'd have to look at the data. But um, I am surprised, right? Like the, the players that come in today are uh, they're better volleyball players, right? I mean, I think, you know, back then we were all playing three sports and, you know, uh, we were just involved in everything. And now the, now the players are a lot more specialized. So, yeah, I am surprised that that's, that that's uh, stood out there. But I look forward to it being broken. A couple. Um, so the challenge is out there. <laughs> Records are made to be broken. I say that all the time to people. That's right. Uh, Jolene Hansen will be inducted into the UMD Athletic Hall of Fame this weekend. A couple more for her. Uh, first off, what are you doing now? Oh, gosh. I am. I live in the Twin Cities, and uh, I've worked in the, the business side of the tech industry for 30 years. 
Um, so big tech and love it. And um, we actually do have a, a place up on Lake Superior uh, in northern Wisconsin. So we love to still get back up there and enjoy everything that the region has to offer. You so, met- and my daughter is also uh, grad school. You're one at UMD, which is kind of coincidental, I should say. And she's a volunteer assistant coach this year, which just total coincidence uh, <laughs> that, you know, I'm being inducted to the Hall of Fame and she's... <laughs> coaching that's pretty cool i've seen her on the bench a couple of times my wife and i have season tickets we love going to 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 watch this team it's we've had her for a few years it's just it's such a high level of volleyball it's an incredible sport to see in person you mentioned your daughter playing the big 10 what's it been like watching this sport evolve the ninety-two thousand that nebraska got this year wisconsin has set a couple of indoor attendance records the last couple of years the ncaa tournament continues to sell more and more tickets what's it like watching this sport grow I just, it's just, we are such big fans of the sport. I mean, we, we had the TV at Big Ten Network on last night, you know, watching the Gophers and Nebraska, and it's just so fun. We know so many of these players and their families because my daughter um, played for Northern Lights in the Twin Cities, and we just got to really, over the years, meet so many people that we're still friends with. So we, we just, I will continue to be a great fan and advocate for the sport, and uh, can't wait to see where it goes next. Uh, how much do you keep in touch with what's happening at UMD? You know, uh, pretty closely now because my daughter well, is yeah, there. Well, yeah, it, make, it so, makes sense, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, Jim Booz and, and Kristen May, they've just done a phenomenal job with the program. And um, I, I think they've just such a positive culture and what they've developed and how I've seen the program grow. Um, anyway, just kudos to them for continuing it on. I appreciate this, Jolene. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend with the class of 2023. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You too. Jolene Hansen being inducted into the UMD Athletic Hall of Fame this weekend, class of 10. Find out more at umdbulldogs.com. 10.50, wrap it up in a moment. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Our American Stories. This is how you do it. Weeknights on KDAL. 10.59. Cloudy, breezy. Ugh. You know what they say about rainy days and Mondays, right, Carpenters? Yeah, had a lot of that here today. Anyway, we're back at it tomorrow. UMD men's hockey head coach Scott Sandel in season preview as we talk Bulldogs 2023-24, and we'll talk some Bulldog football as well with the head coach of UMD, Kurt Weezy. Sound off with Brad Bennett. Kenny coming up next after the news. Have a great Monday. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well, no, I I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What would you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28, FBFM, and 610 KDAL, Duluth Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.